In this episode, we talk to the icon that is Jamie Lee Curtis. Here she is on feminism. If ultimately feminism is fighting for what you believe in, fighting for your right to exist, breaking the stereotypes of what society and culture put on you as an ascribed sense of being, then Lori was a feminist hero. I also chat to Hedda Archbold about some of the best films at this season's film festivals. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. I'm going to get that gun of mine, and I'm going to change you from a rooster to a hen with one shot. Some people call me a freak. I hate that word. I don't believe in it. Better yet, I don't believe in labels. You know, I think you're the only girl in the world that can stand on a stage with a spotlight in her eye and still see a diamond inside a man's pocket. Because I'm up at five every morning working my ass off. Does someone want to just tell me to my face you're never going to give me the scores I deserve? Hello and welcome to Girls on Film. I'm Anna Smith and my first guest today is the incredible actor Jamie Lee Curtis who's reprising her role as Laurie Strode in the final Halloween film, Halloween Ends. The horror sees Laurie Strode facing off with the evil Michael Myers for one last time. So welcome to Girls on Film, we're a feminist film podcast and we love your work. Oh, thank you so much. There's luckily a lot of wonderful feminists in the world out there. And I feel like Laurie Strode is one. She's an incredible character. Um, What are you proud of about your character and how she's evolved over the last few Halloween films, especially from a feminist perspective? So I have a tricky relationship with feminists. Interesting. Tell me more. Because I'm the type of girl that feminists would pile on. I mean, I did trading places and, you know, stood around in my underwear topless playing a prostitute that gave me more fame and attention from that comedy film than anything I had done prior. In the same way, this is a movie about how we're all monsters, besides the inevitable, you know, uh, battle between Laurie and Michael. I will never be talked about by women in film because I was um I wasn't you know I I was not that girl and so Lori wasn't a feminist Lori was a romantic girl who wanted a boy to hold her and love her she was smart she was she would have been class valedictorian, but I just don't know if you would have deemed her a feminist. She earned her feminism through her actions. Allison is not equipped for this relationship, and I will not let her get hurt. So stay away. You started this! You brought me in, you invited me. But you're the one to blame. And if ultimately feminism is fighting for what you believe in, fighting for your right to exist, breaking the stereotypes of what society and culture put on you as an ascribed sense of being, then Lori was a feminist hero. And I get that. But you know what I'm saying? I'm saying it's been tricky for me because there's just not been my path. It's not, um, I have done for better and worse what was required of me in the jobs I did. 
It's, it's interesting you say that because I think a lot of people will consider you a feminist icon, but I think what you've touched on there is what we talk about a lot on Girls on Film is breaking stereotypes and challenging stereotypes that we've seen on film. So, um, you know, the stereotype of a grandmother, you know, she does something quite different um, to what we've seen in many films. And that's what we kind of celebrating and relishing. And also the female writer. I love that this film opens with her writing her memoirs and and that the original Halloween was co-written by a woman. And I guarantee you that Deborah Hill was a feminist. And I guarantee you that Deborah Hill created the three archetypes of women back in 1978. Those would have been the archetypes. The bubbly, flirty, sexy, sexually active, pretty cheerleader. The snarky, sardonic probably didn't feel very pretty girl who used her humor and and wit as a weapon. And then Laurie Strode, who was smart, pretty, innocent, not sexually active, not sexually experienced, romantic, dreamer. And then when faced with unbelievable circumstances, used all of those qualities to take care of herself. How would you describe the journey she's on and when this film begins? I think it's a wonderful opening. Well, what's beautiful, of course, is that you could never start this new Halloween movie from where the last one left off. The last one left off with the ultimate pain, the ultimate shock and horror, which is the loss of a child. So for Laurie Strode, she has suffered the ultimate um, sadness and ultimate trauma, really. And so... Like in music, where there are pauses and interludes, what was good is that David gave the movie breath. He gave it four years. Laurie actually now got the very support, care, trauma therapy, grief therapy. She was able to start to work through those issues so that the Laurie we meet is as close to the Laurie we met in 1978, where... Is it possible she's happy or has the possibility of happiness? And I think that's a really important place to begin. She's healing, not healed, but healing. I love the way that this is a intelligent horror movie that deals with trauma and how we deal with trauma and stress. Um, have you had a lot of reactions from people about, you know, this, it will be a horror movie helping them through their own real life trauma? Like any great art, there is a reaction. I am one of those people that has that incredible ability when something moves me. I'm somebody who the hair on my arm goes up. It's like that weird. I mean, we've had that experience. We all have. I take pictures of it and send it to people. So if I bring a script and the hairs on my arm go up because I moved or I'm stimulated by it, I take a picture and send it and go, oh, like Jamie's senses are going off. So that's what I get from people all day long is that the reaction to Lori based on their own experiences of stuff that's occurred with them using Lori as a template of an example has been beautiful because people genuinely acknowledge that she, Lori, Jamie, has been helpful to them to process those feelings and experiences. What did I, you say to I him? see the same thing in him that I saw in Michael. Michael. Michael Myers is who you are. You're not listening to me, Allison. I am trying to protect you. I don't want your protection. But you, you can have a good life, Allison. A good life. Just not with him. 
You pretend like you moved on, but it's bull. You're actually just obsessed with death, like it's some sort of game, and you're not gonna rest until you finish it, or until everybody else is as miserable as you are. I've heard you refer to it in connection with the Time's Up movement. Would you like to speak a bit to that? When we made the movie in 2017, David had written it in early 2017, probably late 2016. He wrote a movie about a woman who has spent her life behind bars, really, behind a wall. And it coincided, the release of that movie coincided very much with the groundswell of of Time's Up and Me Too. Women around the world were standing up and saying, this happened to me. It's real. I want to move on, but I can't move on until I tell the truth. And that chorus of women, predominantly women, there were also men, but predominantly women around the world coincided with this 17-year-old girl named Lori Strode at her age now standing up and saying, this has happened to me, you must pay attention. And it just, those two things colliding rose both to really big heights. And, um, you know, I mean, it it was extraordinary that we were able to make a movie uh, about female empowerment that coincided with Time's Up and Me Too. I feel like things are getting better and better for women in horror in terms of in front of and behind the camera. I mean, you seem like you agree. What, what are your hopes for the genre, given that you're such a big part of it? Well, I'm not a genre, I'm not an, a genre actress, even though I will die and they will say Halloween actress dies. Um, well, no, I mean, it's just what's going to happen. I'm, I've, uh, they've already written it. Just hopefully don't put the date in for a long time. Um, I, 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 things are changing for sure. There are more women given opportunities in many, many fields. It, it, it is by no means shifted fully. Um, the gender disparity is still profound, but there have been gains in both gender equality within uh, the industry as well as racial equality and people are people are paying attention. Some companies have made mandates. People like Ryan Murphy started something called the HALF program, where he acknowledged that half of the directors that are on his TV shows will be women and and people of color. And so clearly people are paying attention to it. It is shifting. It is going to take time. That is never going to happen fast, but it's shifting. You mentioned your early work, which we love, by the way. Um, but do, when you look back on how things have changed during your career, do you? Um, how do you feel? Yeah, I don't. I'm. I'm not that girl. I'm. I. I live right in the moment. I'm where I am right now, which is London. It's sort of midday. It's mid morning in Los Angeles. My people are waking up. Um, I'm very happy that in my 60s, I've made these three films with David Gordon Green that are about something. At the same time, I've had the opportunity to do Knives Out, and I had the opportunity to do Everything Everywhere All at Once. And all of that is in my 60s, which is just extraordinary. Because again, the archetype is that women don't get to work after a certain age. And by the way, I also had a young man say to me last night at a screening, 
when I was all kind of prettied up and, you know, wearing more makeup than I ever wear in my regular life, wearing clothes that I own, but I don't wear, right? I mean, I that's Jamie's work outfit. I'm wearing my travel clothes, which are black. And he saw me at this screening and he went, how is it you're so old on the screen and you look so young right here? And he's not wrong because it's the nature of the beast where we age and cameras are brutal. And I don't know about you, I'm not on my own computer. So I'm in this weird, hazy world and the background soft and I'm well lit because I'm sitting in front of a window. Are you, are we on Zoom? We're on Zoom, yeah. Well, and you know, in the Zoom thing, you can adjust your appearance. Right. So, so, so really, none of us look like we look. And that movie, I look like I look. There's no, I virtually wear no makeup and there are no lights. You know, it's not lighting for beauty. It's lighting for a horror movie. And he's not wrong. He's just not wrong. But that in, in itself, I thank you for, because I think we need to see more women looking real on camera. I so. am, I'm, I'm all for it and have and tried to live my life as an advocate for some level of reality uh, and what we look like. I've been uh, I've certainly been an advocate for real beauty and the charlatans and fake ears that are selling you bullshit that is supposed to make you look better, younger, prettier. And, you know, the, just the term anti-aging is obnoxious and ab abhorrent to me because what the fuck does that mean? It's just, it's a contradiction in terms. Anti, that means you're against something. Really? I just said I've been in five movies, all of which have grossed over $100 million, some of them $200 million, and I'm 64 years old. It belies anti-aging. It actually says let's pro-age because look what happens when you age. So I understand some women are going to say this. Well, that's fine for you, Jamie, but that isn't possible in my field. And I understand that. But again, I can't speak from your experience or their experience. I can only speak from mine. Thank you so much, Amy. I enjoyed talking to you. You too. Thanks for your time. God bless you. Take good care. Halloween Ends is in UK cinemas now. So that was Jamie Lee Curtis, and I'm now going to invite into the conversation Hedda Archbold, who, of course, is Girls on Film's co-founder and executive producer. Hello, Hedda. Hello. Hello. Here I am. So, Hedda, I'm presuming I know this to be true. Right, like me, you are a Jamie Lee Curtis fan. I am. I am. I think she's amazing. I think she's great. I love her comedies. I think she's just got the most incredible comic timing. And yeah, I discovered her when I was a teenager and watched her in Trading Places, which I loved, and uh, True Lies, which I thought was just an amazing ride. And uh, I haven't seen them for a while, so I don't know how well they've aged. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I haven't seen them. They, they, they're very sort of iconic parts of my sort of childhood and teenage years, you know, particularly um, something like A Fish Called Wanda. Um, but um, when she, in the interview, as you heard, she was implying that she 
felt feminists might not be very happy with you know the way she would get naked in these films or be sexualized I thought that was really really interesting to hear her say that because in in other interviews I've heard her sort of relate to feminism but here she seems to be sort of distancing herself a bit but fantastic to speak to her and she I think personally she is a feminist icon because she she's doing all this amazing work at this age without messing with her face which is wonderful uh, and also, I always remember that when she turned 50, she decided to pose topless to show what a normal woman's body looked like. And I think that had such an effect on me, actually. I thought that was brilliant. And that's that's feminist, isn't it? It is, it is. And I think, you know, she's right. She has always played, often, not always, but she has often played roles in which she's been very sexualized. But even despite that, she's always been the one who's fully in charge. She's always, you know, the con woman who's savvy and smart and who can outplay any of the men who are there with her. And I think that's great. Exactly right. I was dealing with something delicate, Otto. I'm setting up a guy who's incredibly important to us who's going to tell me where the loot is and if they're going to come and arrest you. And you come loping in like Rambo without a jockstrap and you dangle him at a fifth floor window. Now, was that smart? Okay. Was it shrewd? Was it good tactics or was it stupid? Don't call me stupid. Oh, right! To call you stupid would be an insult to stupid people! I've known sheep that could outwit you. I've worn dresses with higher IQs, but you think you're an intellectual, don't you, ape? Apes don't read philosophy. Yes, they do, Otto. They just don't understand it. And I don't think you've seen everything everywhere all at once yet, um, but if you get a chance to, you should... Um, absolutely bonkers film but again she plays a role which is it's very funny it's very dark and almost sort of monstrous and she again there is no vanity in this performance she does not care what she looks like and she's very very funny so I definitely recommend catching that if you can well I'm looking forward to that one and um, in fact I've just heard that she's written to Disney to see if they'll do a sequel to Freaky Friday because she wants to do a body swap with Lindsay Lohan in which she can play the sexy grandma <laughs> that's brilliant I love that I hope they do that that's a great film, Freaky Friday. All versions of it. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good one. Yeah. So I, I'm aware we haven't seen each other for such a long time. So what, what have you been up to, Anna? Well, um, as we record, I'm in the midst of London Film Festival and running around town at lots of lovely events and, and celebrating the amount of incredible female filmmakers that are at the festival, as discussed in our um, recent episode in which we spoke to Tricia Tuttle. Um, I mean, The Wonder, which we're definitely going to be talking about more again, this is um, actually not by a woman, it's by... Um, our ally Sebastian Nellio um, stars Florence Pugh a, a, a incredibly atmospheric mystery and, and that's really one to look out for I really enjoyed Aisha starring Letitia Wright um, Triangle of Sadness not particularly a feminist film but absolutely brilliant and hilarious catch that when you get a chance Corsage definitely very interesting um, sort of revisionist feminist history um, film with a terrific set of performance from Vicky Crepes and there's a, a film called Nezu, which the listeners may not have heard about as much. This is a beautiful, magical, realist Syrian war drama, but with an unusually upbeat flavour. It's a point of view of a young girl. Um, I reviewed it for Deadline Hollywood, deadline.com, if you want to see a more nuanced take on it. Um, but it's directed by a female filmmaker called Sudade Kadam. And I was at the Deadline um, drinks 
um, the other night for LFF and um, was introduced to somebody on the dance floor. We were having a good old bop. I said, what's your name? She says, Tutade. And I was like, hold on a minute. You made that great film, Nezu. So not only is she a great filmmaker, but she's a good, fun party person and a dancer. So, you know, hats off to her. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the film that's on my radar for the LFF is Last Flight Home, which is Andy Timona's documentary, which we're going to be doing an episode on very soon. It's an incredible film. It's it's absolutely beautiful, tender film, isn't it? I mean, yeah, as you say, we'll be talking more about that, but I think that's one of the most emotional watches I've had in some time. Incredible. And um, you've also been to a few festivals elsewhere recently. You went to San Sebastian? Yes. Uh, everyone's always telling me how great San Sebastian is, and I was so delighted to finally go. Not only is it a gorgeous place and with amazing food, um, but really good film festival. Um, it has industry events and some really strong titles, many of whom were directed by women. Um, there was a film called Runner, which is a sort of an American indie drama from uh, Marion Mathias. That was, she's definitely someone that's now on my radar. There was a film called Great Yarmouth Provisional Figures, which is set in the UK, but from a Portuguese filmmaker, a man, and has a really strong, central, very complex female character. It, it's it's not an easy watch. Again, you can go to Deadline to see my review. It's really hard watch talking about you know the the plight of immigrants in this country in the UK and it's interesting to see someone from abroad and their take on that and what we do, what we don't see in our news you know so that was really interesting that sounds like a real recommendation i'd love to see that it's probably a very important story to be told definitely it sounds like a wonderful festival there there are loads more i could rave about but um yeah i mean i i hope we can go back next year and and do do a full report because it's yeah it's firmly on my radar now and you've also been to zurich what were you doing there so I was invited to be on an emerging Swiss talent award jury. So they get three international critics and what they're judging is the best Swiss debut, this being in Switzerland. And I was really pleased because I was asked to watch five films. Four of them were from female directors. Isn't that oh, great? Amazing. That's <laughs> great. That's a very good ratio. We like that. Um, and, and I do feel that it, that wasn't just, you know, the, them picking out female directors. I just like to think that what we've been fighting for since 2018 is now happening. And, you know, more and more women are getting to make films and getting opportunities and getting placed in film festivals. Um, and the winner for that was a film called Thunder, which was set in the Alps in 1900 by Carmen Jacquier. So congratulations to her. Well, hopefully we'll hear more about that. Is that it now for you for jury duty or have you got more coming up? I've actually got one last one this year, uh, the Rain Dance Film Festival. Um, so that's runs from the 26th of October to the 5th of November. Although actually, I also recently did Lowestoft Film Festival. So I've been busy on all manner of <laughs> different juries. You really have. So what is the Rain Dance Film Festival? Can you say a bit more about it? Rain Dance is based in London and it's an independent film festival. So you're not going to get your big budget sort of can movies here, but they have really interesting cinema from around the world and it's generally independent filmmakers. Um, that's run by Elliot Grove and it's connected to the British Independent Film Awards. So really great group of people who try to shine a light on indie filmmaking. And then very soon you and I are going to go off together uh, into the sunsets at the Evolution Mallorca Film Festival. Yes, very much looking forward to that. Um, really excited to chat to some incredible women we're going to have on stage there. Uh, hopefully get some sunshine and then bring back a lovely podcast for the listeners at the end of it. Exactly. So I'll see you there. Thank you for joining me on the pod. It's nice to have you on, Hedda. <laughs> yes, well, I'm lovely to have my voice on the pod with you. It's really great to be here. <laughs> 
Girls on Film is an HLA production brought to you by executive producer Hedda Archbold, producer Lydia Scott, audio editor Jenny Nelson and intern Ellie Hardy. I've been Anna Smith. Thanks for listening. I need to get out of here before this town kills the one person that actually makes me feel something.